Let's open our Bibles, 1 John chapter 2. You're going to see how that ties in. She did, had no way of knowing uh, some of the things we're going to look at today. But how they tie in to what the passage talks about. Uh, a little bit of review before we move on. 1 John, uh, he said that the command was to love. 1 John 2 verse 8, I, I'm writing... I'm, I'm writing, I am writing you a new command. He says, I'm not an, old, not an old command, but a new command. But it is an old one and a new one. He says, its truth is seen in him, that is in Jesus, and you, also in you, because the darkness is passing, the true light is already shining. And so this, this command to love, uh, we saw it in Jesus. You know, it's a, an old and new. It's, it's new in quality, new in, in essence, new in character, new in emphasis because of Jesus showing us exactly what that is. And, uh, you know, we, we talk about hate and anger, how blinding these things are, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit working in our lives is love. That we love God, that we love People, we love our neighbor, we love our our uh, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, love one another. I didn't mention this last week, but the truth is, Jesus also said what to love your enemies, even and and uh, you know those that that hate you, those that that use you, to even love them and care for them. You know that without the Holy Spirit, how can we do that? That's impossible, right? The Apostle John, uh, he was called in his later years the Apostle of Love. Earlier, he was called the Son of Thunder. Thunder, And he wanted to call down fire to destroy people. But God worked in him, and it took a long time. And he was very old uh, when he was walking around and, and being carried around and challenging people to love one another. So... What I want to talk about today, though, you know, First John has a lot of challenging words, you know, like if you claim to, you know, be or do or, or think this, but you do something else, well, you're lying. And, and you know, it talks about, you know, not sinning and, and doing the right thing and, and so many other things there. But in the middle of all this, I'm, I find some very uh, positive and encouraging. You know that phrase, right? Some very positive, encouraging words. And, and I don't know about you, but I think we need that. Do you need that? Do you need encouragement ever? I mean, sometimes, you know, this world is so discouraging. And we need that positive reinforcement. We need, we need somebody to say, hey, that's good. And, and keep going. And I think that's what he's saying here in, in the midst of all this. Uh, you know, as, as we read these verses, you'll see, you know, we need that encouragement. We see it. Uh, you know, in the different stages of our lives and the different stages of growth. He has these three categories he talks about in these three verses. Uh, children, fathers, and young men. And each of them is repeated. Let's read them and then we're going to break it down. Verses 12 through 14, it says, I write to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. And then he goes back and starts over again. I write to you, dear children, because you have known the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome 
the evil one. Three different kind of groups, three different stages of life. Yeah, he, he talks about young men, he talks about fathers, he talks about children. But, but I think, and in, in, you know, he, he looks at these different times in our lives, like where are we and who are we? And do you need encouragement at each step along the way? I think definitely we do. So let's break these three groups down. The first one is he, he talks about dear children in verses 12 and verse 13. He says there, I write to you, dear children. And again, uh, John had this care, he had this heart for them. And, and he saw them as children uh, of his, spiritual children of his, but, but way, way more than that, they were children of God. And he says, I write things, these things to you, and he, and he says that I write to you, I care about you. And, and this, this term, dear children, of course, it isn't just people who are young, right? You, you could say, uh, you know, that it, it applies to young children. The term can, does certainly apply to that. But, it, but, but also, you know, people who are young in their faith. And, and what's the first thing? What's the most important thing? Is he says, listen, your sins are forgiven. I write to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven. Now, that's certainly true of all of us, no matter what stage in life we are, is that our sins have been forgiven. That's where he starts with this. It's the, one of the definitions of salvation, isn't it? That our sins are forgiven. We've talked about that already, and we've seen that. You know, there's the fact that our sins, past, present, and future, they've all been forgiven. And, and yet there's also the fellowship that gets broken when we sin and we do you know, stupid things, and, and we need to restore them. We need to confess our sins, and he's faithful and just to forgive us uh, our sins and to restore that fellowship. Ephesians, Paul tells us, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Micah tells us that, that God, uh, he says, will have compassion on us and, and, and that he will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. He, that's as far you know, as the east is from the west, it says in Psalm 103. So far as he, as he removed our transgressions from us. We, we need to understand that and know that. And he kind of talked about it. You know, all these other things are going on in life, but what has Jesus done for you and for me? He died on the cross to save us from our sin. And, and, and we have been forgiven completely and totally those that, that have put their trust and their faith in him. He, he's our Savior. He saved us from what? From our sin. So the first thing he, he encourages these, these dear children, these dear ones, is that your sins have been forgiven. And I want to say that to you today. Your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. On account of whose name? On account of the name of Jesus. Your sins have been forgiven. The, you know, the enemy comes along and, and what does he, he call the scripture? says the, the accuser of the brethren. Now, not his brethren, but you and I, as the, the brothers and sisters in Christ, he comes along and accuses us, saying, you are useless, you are worthless. You, you know, you, you, there you go, you did it again. You know, you have no hope, you have no future. Nothing good is going to come in your life. I don't care who you think you are and whatever. But Jesus turns around and says, listen, my child, I have forgiven you, and your sins are forgiven as far as the east is from the west, I've removed them from you. That 
is encouraging, and that should be enough. Salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. The name of Jesus. I mean, isn't that enough? We don't even, you know, if we really understood that, if we really knew that, none of, nothing else would really matter, you know. Nothing else would really matter. That would be enough, really. Positive, encouraging. Your sins are all forgiven because of his name, on account of his name, in the name of Jesus. But he doesn't stop there with the children, does he? If you jump down to the, the, the last part of verse 13, 13c, he says, I write to you, dear children. He, he says this the second time to them. He says, I write to you, dear children, because you have known the Father. You have known the Father. We, we heard about this in the testimony, knowing Him. But he says, dear children, you have known the Father. There's something about knowing God. There's something about knowing Him. You see, we say this, and, and it, it is absolutely true. And, and, you know, I was thinking about this. It's kind of a... Um, I don't know if it's philosophical or what, but this idea of knowing somebody, you don't, you don't just you know, say, well, uh, you know, um, let's get together because I want to get to know you. You know, if someone says that to you, if people say that to me, I, I get like weird. Like I start to get uncomfortable. I freeze up like, like, how about if you back off a little bit? You know, you're trying too hard now. You know what I mean by that? So it's something that just happens when you spend time with somebody and you don't like force it to happen, but you, you get to know one another. And, and that's kind of the way we get to know one another. And, and uh, if any of you come to me after church and say, you know, can, can I talk to you? I want to get to know you right now. I'm going to like get really weird. <laughs> Weirder. But what I was going to say before I was so rudely, um, never mind. What I was going to say is that it's about relationship, really, isn't it? It's not a religion. It's not a religion where, you know, you do these certain things and, you know, you go through these certain sacraments and you do these certain, you know, kneelings and, and the, these, these things that uh, make up uh, the really works. It's about a relationship, and we say that, but, but you know what? That's really what it is, and, and, and that's the, the bottom line of it all, and, and you're going to say, well, I'm waiting for this lightning bolt to hit me from heaven. Sometimes God does do that, but really what it's about is that you've known him. You've known him as a father. You've known him as a friend. That's the song I think they'd be singing, right? We've known him as a father. You've known him as a friend. What song is that? I can't remember. I'll think about it. What? Thank you. I love that song. I just was thinking about the other day, two years ago when we had our huddle, we, that was like the song. There's usually a song that kind of like you just repeat and just like grabs you. And that was the goodness of God song we sang two years ago. Um, but to know him as a father, I know for me personally, when I came to know uh, God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one of the things that, that just, just blew me away was that I knew him as a father, and he became my father. Because my real father was, you know, he was not good, and it was bad news and whatever. 
So I didn't know. I didn't know the love of a father. But, but when I became a believer, that like changed. Like, like, and and I, my stepfather was really good too. But, but there's something about knowing God as my father that just did something for me. He helped me later in life to, to, to be a father to children. Like, how would I ever do that? I had no clue how to do that. But he helped me, and he's still helping me. And he's still my father, you see. So he says here, be encouraged that you have known the father who is from the beginning, this father, uh, you know, the eternal God. As it says in Deuteronomy, you know, the eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. I think about that sometimes in the night. You know, he's, he's my refuge, but, but he's got, you know, underneath, he's like holding me up with these arms. The Father's like holding me up. And he does that for you too. He's your Father and he, and he loves you and he's got the love of a Father. I don't know, maybe you had a hard time with your Father on this earth too. But he's a Father. And he says, you've known him as a Father. That's encouraging. I want to encourage you to, to, to know that this relationship with God is incredible. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Be encouraged. The world does not know Him the way you know Him. They don't have that. Why do you think, you look around the world, why is it in such a mess? Because they have no hope. They have no relationship with God. But you do. The second category comes to is the fathers. And, and I don't, honestly, I don't know, and, and uh, maybe Larry will explain it to me afterwards. Um, why does it jump from children to fathers and then to young men? It seems like it should go like right in a row, right? But I, I have no idea why he did that. Uh, it'll come to me maybe in the middle of the night or, or Larry will text me with the answer. But <laughs> the truth of the matter is he jumps from dear children to fathers, now, is he speaking about just male fathers? Uh, you know, you can make a case for that, but I think he's, I think in many uh, people, I, uh, the commentators that I read, you know, they see in this, this, this stage of life, this, this stage of, of maturity, uh, you know, of being believers. You know, he talked about the, the children, then he talks about fathers, those that are older, those that are, that are, that are older in the, in, in the faith. And it, what I find so interesting is the same he says the same thing both times to uh, the fathers. Did you notice that when we read? What does he say in, in, in verse 12 or 13? 13a says, I write to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. And then in, in, in 14a, he says, I write to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. He says the same thing. Isn't that interesting? Why? Because that's the most important thing. And Annie like, repeated it like five times and every time and I go, yeah, say it again. Say it again. It's about knowing him, isn't it? And that's what it is. And, and when it's all said and done, what is it all about? It's about knowing God. That's why, that's why Paul said, you know, that the, the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, there, there's nothing better in this life. Everything else, it will fall away. Everything else will come to an end. But, but this relationship, and that's why Jesus said, you know, what is eternal life? He defined eternal life. He says it's knowing you, the Father, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is eternal life, knowing him. You know, 
How long does it take to get to know somebody? Five minutes? You know, uh, there are times, and I, I, I think this is true, there are times you, you meet someone and you, and you feel like you've known them forever. Well, the truth is, it just feels that way, but you really haven't known them forever. But, but there's a connection that is made there. But the, this connection with, most often with people, it takes time, right? It, it, it's built up over time. It doesn't happen overnight. And, and you know, this long-term relationship that grows. The, the word for knowing is the, the, the Greek word ginosko, which, which means literally to know by experience. To have this long-term growth and this years of communion where, where you know, uh, you know I, I, it's not something, you know, that you get this chart, right? You get this chart, well, you know, uh, okay, I know God here now, and then, you know, uh, then I know I'm here, and then I know I'm here. It's just, it's just something that, that, that happens, right? And it's a, a depth of experience. David Guzik said about this, the spiritual relationship or the relationship with Jesus Christ at this stage of spiritual growth is both true and deep. Uh, you know, that, that's really what it is. And I, and I think it, it's interesting, you know, we, we should ask ourselves kinds of these questions that she was talking about. You know, do, you know it, what is my relationship with God like? Is it very superficial? What is it like? Uh, is, it, is, is there a depth to it? I think if we've been a believer for 40, 50 years or whatever, there should be like this depth of knowing him. And that is, I think, what John is saying to the fathers. He says, you have known him. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. You've known him, this God who is from all eternity. And there's like a, maybe a picture in that of this long-term relationship. That's, that's pretty powerful, isn't it? There's a wisdom. There's a, there's a knowledge that comes from this long-term experience of knowing him. Proverbs chapter 20, 29 is a segue into the third category. It says this, the glory of young men is their strength. Gray hair is the splendor of the old. Now, why do you think I cut it all off? Well, some of it I have to. Gray hair is a splendor of the old. There's, there's a splendor about old age. And I, I think about this, and one of my, uh, one of my uh, devotional books is Streams in the Desert, and it's verse, uh, or version four, because has, she has four of these, and the fourth one is about getting older. It's like, uh, you know, nearing the end. And, and they talk, many of the, of the uh, days talk about this, you know, that, that old age isn't a bad thing. It's a good thing. There's, there's a depth, there's a, an importance to it. And we have to understand that. So for us to be content where we are, you know, we, instead of saying, well, you know, I, I, you know I, I feel so bad, I can't do what I used to be able to do. How many of you ever feel like that? I don't have the strength, I don't have the stamina, I don't have whatever. I can't remember. But there's something special about, about where you are. In the Lord and, and what your relationships with Him and, and this this long term relationship, something special about that. Appreciate that. I want to encourage you in that. 
I have to be encouraged by it. You have to be encouraged by that. So getting to the third one, though, he says in Proverbs, the glory of young men is their strength. And so uh, the third category, he talks about young men, and he gives them three points. 13b, he says, I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. The first thing he talks about, and he repeats this one uh, twice, this particular one he repeats twice. He says, you have overcome the evil one. And, and you know, there's something about, about, about young uh, people having the strength. And, and there's also something about spiritual battles. There's warfare taking place. Now, that happens in all stages of our lives, for sure. But he's talking about here when you're in this younger period of life that you have uh, an opportunity, really, to... Have victory in these battles. And, and, I, and I believe it too that, you know, when we're young, we do face a lot of battles. Does anybody know what the Greek word is for, for overcome here? Well, if you were on your blue letter Bible right now, you would know. Or you could find it very quickly. But the, the, the word is nikao. N-I-K-A-O. And... Uh, does that ring a bell for anybody? Nike, right. This, the shoes, I, don't, I have Nikes on, I don't think. I think there's something else. But Nike, that's why, they, that's why they call their brand Nike, because it's about victory. It's about overcoming. And he says, you have overcome. Be encouraged by that. You have overcome. And he says it to them twice. He says, you are on the front lines. One commentator said this, the father is appropriately to their age are characterized by knowledge and the young men by activity in conflict, active service. There's something about using those years that you have where you are strong to face the battle, to be on the front lines. I want to, I want to encourage you. Those, they're, they're battles, yes. But you know what? Fight. Keep fighting because you have overcome. How did you overcome? By the, the blood of the Lamb and by the word of your testimony. You didn't love your lives so much as to shrink from death, Revelation chapter 12 says. You know, I, 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 I've kind of been alluding to this already. I don't have the strength that I used to have. When I moved here, I was 32 years old. That's hard to believe. Was I ever 32 years old? I think I'm still 32 years old, but until I try to do something and I go like, wow, where'd the strength go that I needed to do that particular job? You know, you, or you do something for an hour and you're like beat for the rest of the day. Like, what? What happened? I used to do that for hours. But you young people, you know what? Use what you have now, be encouraged because you have overcome. And greater is the one who's in you. We're going to see that later in chapter 4. Who's in you than he who's in the world. That's how they overcame. First John 5, they overcame through their faith. Through trusting in Jesus Christ. Man, I'm running out of time here, aren't I? Okay, good. I got a few more minutes left. 
I want to encourage you, your victory, you have victory in the, in the name of Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus Christ. And don't let the enemy, that accuser, tell you anything different. You are on the winning side, the winning team. And fight. Fight those battles. The second thing he says to them, found in 14b, he says, I write to you, young men, because you are strong. You are strong. I love it when I see young people uh, standing up to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I love it. Because I see so many times, you know, there's so many distractions, so many things in this world and life. But when, when people stand up and say, you know what, I, I'm going to serve God. No matter what the cost is. I want to encourage you, be strong because you are strong because you've been given that strength. Now, this isn't just physical strength, is it? It's all kinds of strength. Paul said to Timothy, he, you know, who was like his you know, younger uh, protege or whatever you want to call it. Uh, he said, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. You are strong, John says. Paul says, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. Paul said himself, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul said, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. John says, you are strong. It, you know, and, and he's, he isn't just saying that, you know, this positive reinforcement concept where you just tell people something and even though it isn't true. No, it is true because of what Jesus has done in your life. As, as a believer, as a young person, use that strength you have because God has given it to you. And you are strong. Don't let the enemy tell you anything different. He is a liar. He's the father of lies. And the last thing he says to the young, he says in 14c, but the last thing he says, he repeats this idea of you have overcome the evil one, but he says the middle thing here in verse 14, he says the word of God lives in you. I love that. And maybe just because of who we are as a Calvary Chapel type ministry and, you know, uh, we just want to get the Bible in us. We want to get into the Bible and have the Bible get into us. And you know what? Some people come here and visit, and this is not, nothing against them, but they come and say, wow, uh, I remember somebody came one time and they visited and, and they seemed to be, you know, like the teaching. And then and they said, so, so next week you're going to go to the next part? And I said, yeah, isn't that exciting? And they never came back. <laughs> like, I guess I don't want to do, you don't want to go to the next part? No. Uh, I, you know, uh, topical messages are great. And I teach, I think, I, I try to te teach topical messages within the scripture that is the next scripture. You know, there's topical messages in every passage of the Bible. But to just jump here and jump there and jump everywhere, you know, like, whoa. But that's just who we are, and that's the way I was raised. That's the way I was taught. And he says, the word of God lives in you. This is one of the secrets of their strength. How did they overcome? How did they get the strength? They had the word of God living in them, abiding in them. The word means to abide. It, it, it stays. It remains in you. 
It isn't something that just kind of like goes, you know, in one ear and out the other. It flight, you know, floats right out. But Jesus used that word, abide, remain, live. He said to the Jews who believed him, he said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, truly my disciples, and you will know the truth and the what? The truth will set you free. If you abide in my word, if you remain in my word, you see, that's how the word remains in us because we remain in it. We don't, you know, if you, you know, if you just want to put your Bible under your pillow at night and just expect it to get in there somehow and you're going to wake up and you're going to be full of Bible verses, I, I don't know. I, I never tried it, but it doesn't seem to make any sense to me that it would work. You've got to get into it yourself. And not just Sunday. Every day, you've got to abide in the Word. This is a secret of, again, the secret of our strength. Abide in the Word. That's what Jesus said. You are truly my disciples. If you abide in my Word, and you'll know the truth, the truth will make you free, give you the strength to overcome. To those people who were persecuting uh, Jesus, he told them that you don't have God's word in you. You do not have. They thought they were spiritual. They thought, you know, they were all religious and everything, and they were religious. But he said, you don't have, you know, God's word in you. We already saw it. In chapter 1 of 1 John, it says, If we claim we haven't sinned, His word has no place in our lives. There's no word in us. But one of the verses I learned as a very, very young believer, Psalm 119, verse 11. Who can tell me what it is? He, this guy blows me away. <laughs> I have hidden your word in my heart, or thy word have I hidden in my heart. That's how I learned it, the King James Version. Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've hidden God's word in my heart. How do you do that? Well, you've got to read it first, and then you, know, you just take those little verses. And you know, there's some people, I read about some of these guys in olden days, they memorize whole chapters and whole books of the Bible. You know, I just want to like memorize one. One verse, if I can hold on to that, even one phrase, and meditate on that and hide that in my heart. Because it's going to affect the way that I live. Not only that, it's going to set me free. Paul said to the people at Colossae, he said, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. You know, we, we don't just teach the word, we, we, we sing the word too. We have God's word in our worship, right? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You know, Jesus... When Jesus faced Satan in the wilderness, what did he do? He quoted scripture. How are you going to fight? How are you going to overcome the evil one if you don't know the, the, the word of God? Paul said in, in Ephesians 6 that the sword of the spirit is the word of God. The sword, that's that thing you're going to do battle with. 
you young people, get the word of God in you. Don't wait and say, well, you know what? I'm really busy now. And when, you know, I'm older, then I'll start to, you know, really get the word of God in me and I'll, and I'll, and I'll get strong then. No, do it now. Because it's the years of, of being in the word of God that gives you that strength. He said to them, you've overcome the evil one. You are strong and the word of God lives in you. So I, I don't know about, about you, but these are very encouraging words, really, you know, for, for us as children of God, for us, us as older ones, as younger ones. Keep going. Be encouraged. The Apostle Peter, we'll, we'll close with this verse on the screen. These were his last written words. He said, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We, we, all, we all have you know, growing to do. I do. We all do. But you know what? It's worth it. It's all worth it. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your word and, and how often it seems like every day you lift my head through your word. That psalmist, psalmist says you're the glory and the lifter of my head. And how often, it's just incredible your word is so powerful and, and you, you speak to us. And now these words that encourage us, Lord, to, to keep following you, keep getting to know you, spending time with you. Getting to know the one who died for our sins and that we are completely and totally forgiven for all eternity and, and, and we have a place, a home in heaven. This world is hard. I, I you know, Father, I, I, I confess it. It's just hard here. But you want to encourage us to keep going, keep fighting, and keep fighting the good fight. And, and we can get to the end like Paul did. He says, I have, you know, I've run the race. I have fought the good fight, and I have kept the faith. And there's now a place in heaven, a crown laid up for me. Lord, I pray you'd encourage your people, each person here struggling to keep fighting in this world, in this life. You are, you are a child of God. You, are, you belong to him and he is going to take care of you and he is going to get you to the finish line. Be encouraged. Father, I pray as we close for any that don't know you, that, that don't even have any relationship, today's a good day. Today is a unique day, as I, I said earlier, a very unique day, and maybe this is the day of salvation for you, where you would open your heart and life to say, I, Jesus, I need you. I, I want you in my life. Forgive me of my sin. Be my Lord and be my Savior. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing together. Yes.